Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and that little bumblebee over there is Ellen. That's me. I'm not sure why I'm a bumblebee, (laughs) but we are proof that Gryffindors and Slytherins can get along. For the most part. What do you mean for the most part? I thought we got along swimmingly. Let's just keep rolling. Okay, fine. We'll keep rolling right into our rolling rehash. In last week's episode, we discussed Chapter 5, Diagon Alley, and the film scenes that most closely relate to it. In these scenes, uh, Hagrid takes Harry to Diagon Alley in London to get his school supplies. In the book, Harry heads back to the Dursleys until school starts, and in the movie, the scene ends with Harry learning about Voldemort and that he is the boy who lived. During episode five, Bat Balls, Bat Balls, <laughs> our Potter pondering focused on the fate of the Dursleys after Hagrid shows up on the hut on the rock. Did they get abandoned at the hut on the rock when Hagrid and Harry took the boat to get back to the mainland? Now, since they are satchels of assholes, we aren't really concerned about their well-being. More curious about the plot hole. We theorized that Hagrid went back for them after dropping Harry off to return home, and that was the reason they downgraded their abuse to neglect, not that one is better than the other, and also the reason that Dudley was so afraid of him. Yeah, because he really was, and we're going to be talking about that more this episode we got a number of good responses um and my my personal favorite was from amber cox who is my travel buddy my harry potter buddy my ispul buddy i love the hell out of this girl i believe you called her your homie she is my homie she's awesome and i love the hell out of her and if this comic that she shared is any indication of her awesomeness i'm inclined to agree right and it's so great it's like it's hagrid Essentially just, like, hurling the boat back to the, the hut on the rock and it crashing into the into the ceiling. And I just love that. It's hilarious. We're going to reshare it mm-hmm. in its own little post so you guys can make sure you didn't miss it. Because I, this is by far my favorite theory of... It was great, yeah. ...what happened to the Dursleys and how they got <laughs> back. And uh, the, the illustrations that go along with it are quite delightful. And Petunia's blonde. So yes. is Dudley. So that I approve of right yes. there. And, and Vernon is dark-haired. Yes. So that so. works out nicely. Pretty excellent. Yeah. Thanks so. for sharing, Amber. You're amazing, as usual, Aster. Mm-hmm. Our trivia question last week was, what flavor was the funny gray jelly bean that Ron refused to try? With the code word... Mm-hmm. Code word. Mm-hmm. Birdie bots. I'm a Slytherin. I can hiss all day. <laughs> if you answered pepper... Then you got it. Uh, Ron wouldn't try it, but Harry was brave enough to nibble on the end. That's what she said. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. You're not really sorry, though. Not at all. (laughs) Anyways. Once again, we get to congratulate our very own Carly Ferguson. Woo! Yay, Carly. Who got the answer correct with the code word. Code word. (laughs) We actually did have one other person give us the correct answer, but they did not share the code word. So make sure you're listening all the way to the very end so you can get the code word 
and we can give stickers to people other than Carly. Yes, we love Carly, but we just, we really want to give out stickers, guys. We have a lot of them. We have so many. I bought all of the stickers. Oh, let's just keep rolling right into chapter six, the journey from platform nine and three quarters and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter six, the journey from platform nine and three quarters. Harry spends his last month of the summer at the Dursleys, with Dudley completely terrified of him and Vernon and Petunia predominantly ignoring him. He spends a lot of time in his room with only his owl, who he decides to name Hedwig, for company. He reads his school books and counts down the days until September 1st. The day before, he approaches his aunt and uncle to ask them if they can give him a lift to King's Cross Station so he can catch his train at platform nine and three quarters. Vernon grunts in assent and gives Harry a hard time about the platform number. He then says that he wouldn't even bother taking him, but they are already going because they need to go get the pig's tail removed from Dudley. The next morning, Harry wakes up early, too excited to sleep. He gets dressed, makes sure he has everything together, and paces until the Dursleys wake up too. After they load everything into the car and Petunia convinces Dudley to sit next to Harry in the back seat, they head off to King's Cross Station. When they arrive, Uncle Vernon puts Harry's stuff on a cart and wheels it into the station for him. Harry thinks this is strangely kind until he realizes that the Dursleys just want to mock him more about platform nine and three quarters. Laughing, they leave Harry behind to figure out how to get on the platform by himself. He asks a guard for help, but he has no idea what Harry is talking about and gets annoyed with him. While Harry is starting to worry that he will never figure out what to do, he catches someone saying, packed with muggles, and looks around to see a family of redheads with trunks like his and an owl. The plump redheaded woman asks what the platform number is, and a young redheaded girl answers. The mother then tells the oldest boy, Percy, to go first. Harry watches him walk towards platform 9 and 10 and then disappear behind a large crowd of tourists. The woman sends Fred Nex, who pretends to be George, before going towards the platform, shortly followed by his twin. Harry still has no idea where they went and approaches the woman to ask for help. She greets him warmly and asks if it's his first time to Hogwarts, saying that it's Ron's first time too. She points to the youngest red-headed boy who is tall and gangly with big hands and feet, lots of freckles, and a long nose. She tells Harry to walk straight at the barrier between platforms 9 and 10 and sends him before Ron. Harry walks, then runs for the barrier, afraid he will crash right into it, but instead he goes straight through and finds himself in front of a scarlet steam engine and a sign saying Hogwarts Express 11 o'clock and another sign saying platform 9 and 3 quarters. He pushes his cart along through the crowds to try and find an empty seat. He finds an empty part of the train and struggles to get his trunk into the car until the red-headed twins show up to help him lift it in. The twins see his scar and realize that he is Harry Potter. Their mother calls for them to come say goodbye and Harry sits down next to the window and listens to the family as the mother tries to wipe something off the youngest boy's nose and the oldest son shows up dressed in his wizard's robe wearing a badge with a P on it that the twins tease him about. As they are saying goodbye, the twins mention that the boy they helped get onto the platform was Harry Potter. The little girl, Ginny, really wants to go on the train to see him, but her mother tells her that he isn't something you ogle at in a zoo. The whistle blows and the family finish saying goodbye to each other. The train starts moving and Harry feels extremely excited. 
The train compartment door opens and the youngest of the red-headed boys asks if he can sit with Harry. The twins stop by and officially introduce themselves and Ron before heading off to a different part of the train. Ron wants to know if he was really Harry Potter and Harry says that he is and shows him his lightning bolt scar and tells him he can't remember anything other than a lot of green light. They make conversation about their families, how Harry doesn't like living with his aunt and uncle and how Ron has a lot to live up to with his five older brothers. He has a lot of hand-me-downs, including his pet rat Scabbers, who used to belong to Percy. Harry tells Ron about always wearing Dudley's old clothes and how he didn't know anything about being a wizard or Voldemort. Ron is shocked that Harry would say you know whose name. Harry explains that he isn't trying to be brave, he just never knew you weren't supposed to say it. He expresses that he thinks he will be the worst in the class. Ron assures him that loads of people come from muggle families and learn fast enough. After a while, the compartment door opens again and a woman with a food cart asks if they want to buy anything. Harry did not recognize anything on the trolley, so he bought some of all of it. Ron unwraps the corned beef sandwiches that his mother made him, saying how she always forgets he doesn't like corned beef. Harry offers to share his sweets with Ron. They eat their way through pasties, cakes, and candies. Harry picks up a chocolate frog and wonders if they are really frogs. Ron says no and explains that they have famous witch and wizard cards inside to collect. Harry opens his first one and finds a card with Albus Dumbledore on it and learns that people don't stay still in magic pictures. A round-faced boy shows up looking for the toad that he lost. Ron isn't sure why he is so upset about losing his toad, but also feels like he can't really talk because he brought scabbers and isn't sure that is any better. He tried using a spell to turn him yellow and is about to show Harry when the round-faced boy returns with a girl who calls the boy Neville and asks about the toad. She sees that Ron is about to do magic and asks him to show them. Ron says the spell and nothing happens and the girl declares that all the spells she has tried have worked. She tells him that she's muggle-born, that she's pleased to find out she was a witch, that she learned all their course books by heart, and her name is Hermione Granger. Ron and Harry introduce themselves, and Hermione tells Harry that she knows all about him from the extra books she got for background reading. She tells them to change and leaves with Neville to keep looking for his toad. Harry and Ron talk about the Hogwarts houses and then what Ron's oldest brothers do now that they've left Hogwarts. Ron tells Harry that his brother Charlie works with dragons and his oldest brother Bill works for Gringotts, which had recently been robbed. The conversation then moves on to Quidditch. As Ron is telling Harry all about the sport, the compartment door opens again, this time revealing three boys. One of them Harry recognizes as the pale boy from Madame Malkin's robe shop. The boy had heard that Harry Potter was on the train and came to investigate. He notices Harry looking at the other two mean-looking, thick-set boys and introduces them as Crab and Goyle and himself as Draco Malfoy. Ron coughs to hide a snigger, and Malfoy, who doesn't appreciate being laughed at, says that he knows Ron is a Weasley and insults his parents, as well as Hagrid. The boys are all about to fight when Scabbers bites Goyle, causing the three of them to run off. Harry and Ron are talking about Malfoy and how his family came back from the dark side when you-know-who was defeated, saying they had been bewitched. Ron says that his dad doubts that. Hermione comes back into the compartment and tells them to hurry up and put their robes on because they are nearly there. She also lectures them about fighting and tells Ron that he has dirt on his nose before leaving so they could change. The train slows and stops on a platform where Hagrid shows up and calls for the first years. They all follow Hagrid through the dark, around a bend, and see their first glimpse of Hogwarts, a vast castle on top of a hill with many turrets and towers. Hagrid directs them to the boats, and Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Neville get into one. 
They take off over the lake towards the castle. To Neville's delight, Hagrid finds his toad in a boat. He then leads them through a passageway and up some stairs to the castle door, which Hagrid knocks on three times. In the movie, the scene opens in a train station, where Hagrid walks with Harry, who is pushing a cart with his school supplies and his white snowy owl. Hagrid checks his pocket watch and realizes he needs to go meet Dumbledore, so he hands Harry his train ticket and warns him to stick to it. Harry looks at the ticket and sees that it says the train going to Hogwarts is leaving from platform nine and three quarters. Confused, he asks Hagrid if there is actually any such thing, but when he looks back up, Hagrid is gone. Harry wanders down the walkway between platforms 9 and 10, looking for his train. He asks a station guard if he knows where platform 9 and 3 quarters is, but is told off by the man who thinks he is joking. Harry then overhears a woman with red hair walking past him and talking about muggles and decides to follow her and the five other redheads with her. The woman tells one of the boys, Percy, to go first, and Harry watches as the boy walks directly into a brick wall and disappears. Harry looks around to see if anyone else saw it. Then the woman calls for one of the twins, Fred, to go next, and the other twin claims to be Fred. The woman apologizes to George, and he says he's joking, and actually is Fred. The twins disappear through the barrier, and Harry is still confused. He approaches the woman and asks how to get onto the platform. She mentions that it is Ron's first time at Hogwarts 2 and explains that he just has to walk straight at the barrier between platforms 9 and 10. Harry follows her directions and finds himself on platform 9 and 3 quarters looking at the Hogwarts Express and all of the other magical people. Cut to Harry riding the train by himself in a train compartment when Ron appears and asks if he can sit with him. Harry says yes and learns that the red-headed boy is Ron Weasley. Harry introduces himself as Harry, Harry Potter, and Ron is amazed and asks to see the scar. The trolley witch shows up with snacks to purchase. Ron declines and sadly pulls out sandwiches, but Harry pulls out a fistful of galleons and buys some of everything. Again, to Ron's amazement. The boys eat their way through the candy, introducing Harry to Bertie Bot's Every Flavor Beans and Chocolate Frogs and their cards. Harry's Chocolate Frog jumps out the window, but he finds that he has a Dumbledore card. Harry is shocked to learn that magical pictures move. Ron introduces his rat, Scabbers, and says his brother Fred gave him a spell to turn him yellow. He is about to do the spell when a girl shows up at their compartment door, asking about a boy named Neville's Toad. She notices Ron about to do magic and asks to see it. Ron says, Sunshine, daisies, butter, mellow. Turn this stupid fat rat yellow, and nothing happens. The girl judges his spell and informs him that all the spells she has tried have worked, then demonstrates Oculus Reparo and fixes Harry's taped, broken glasses. She recognizes him as Harry Potter and introduces herself as Hermione Granger, and snottily asks Ron who he is. Ron answers with his mouth full of sweets and Hermione is somewhat less than impressed. The train arrives at Hogsmeade Station and Hagrid calls for the first years to follow him to the boats. They take the boats across the lake, and we get our first view of Hogwarts Castle. The first years walk up the steps to Hogwarts and are greeted by Professor McGonagall. By the way, if anybody hates my British accent, sorry you're stuck with it. I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I like it, but Aww, I buy it. <laughs> oh, shucks. Anyways, <laughs> in the book, Harry gets to spend a whole month 
or has to spend, I should say. I would say, say has to, <laughs> Has yeah. to spend a whole month with the Dursleys. Well, Bef- depending on depending on what Hagrid did to convince them to not be complete dicks. Since that is our theory. That's yes. Our, that's our current theory. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he gets stuck with them for a month before getting to head off to Hogwarts. And it means he has to ask them to take him to King's Cross, which is one of the things we were talking about with honestly, pondering. Yeah, I'm yeah. like honestly kind of surprised that they agreed to it. I mean, he did say that he wouldn't bother if they weren't already going, but they're bags of assholes. Like, they yeah. literally could be like, no, figure it out, fucker. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what happens in the book. He has one last month with the Dursleys, and it was different in the movies. Yeah. In the movie, Hagrid just drops Harry off at King's they Cross just... Station, like right after Diagon Alley. Like, yeah, it, they're just it's like, like meh. Forget the last month. Yeah, they just go right... It magically went from Harry's birthday July 31st to September 1st. Well, yeah. I mean, doesn't that do that? I mean, that's that seems pretty normal. Yeah. Because it was literally... you, And you know it was the same day, too, because Hagrid has the stone. And he says, he, he's like, oh, oh Dumbledore yeah. will be wanting to see me. You know, and he, like, pats his pocket where the stone is Yeah, and I figure that they just didn't care. Yeah, that's... Well... Why start now? Really? <laughs> who's going to notice? Yeah. Everyone who's read the books. Right. And then uh, the thing that gets me, though, is the fact that Hagrid just disappears from Harry. Like, first off, first off, Hagrid, you're giving an 11 year old a train ticket and telling him, like, good luck, bitch. Like, see ya. Good luck. Here's this super. Not, you couldn't have just said. Didn't bother explaining how to do anything. He couldn't have just said, like, oh, by the way, here's how you get onto the platform, right. you know? I mean, then, of course, we wouldn't have had the plot device that introduces him to the Weasleys. Right. But still, but... But, I mean, come on, Hagrid. You're slacking there. Right. You're slacking there. Right. But you know where he's not slacking is his stealthy-ass giant abilities. Like, that motherfucker's a ninja. Because he just disappears. And, like, it's not even like he apparated yeah, or something. Yeah, he can't apparate. He can't apparate. Plus, even if he could, apparating makes, like, a loud popping noise. True. So, he would have heard that. Yeah, Harry would have There's no heard way that. that he could just, like, hide in a crowd. It, it's right? Like, it's like what Harry says in uh, the fourth book when he's talking about Madame Maxime. And he's like, oh, she'd yeah. have a job hiding, wouldn't she? Right? Yeah, exactly. And, and plus, even, there's, like, no one around when this happens, too. He's just gone. Like, yeah, Harry looks around and there's nobody around. So it begs you, it begs the question, how long did he stare at that ticket going, platform nine and three quarters? Right? What the fuck? <laughs> Well, it couldn't have been more than 10 minutes because he said that your train leaves in 10 minutes. Right. So, so here's the hope that it was less than that. But, I mean, how did Hagrid get away so stealthily? I don't know. Maybe that should be a Potter so, pondering. Maybe. How did he get into. away? <laughs> um, yeah, but like I was saying, having Hagrid drop him off at King's Cross to head to Hogwarts, it omitted that entire last month mm-hmm. um, of Harry's summer. And it's not really important to the story. Like, no. Like, and it's not like anything happened. I think it was kind of told in a sum up. Yeah. Like, all we really got to know was that... I think it was literally just just a time filler yeah. as to say, hey, his birthday was July 31st, and... This time had to pass. This happened, and now it's September 1st. Right. So it, the movie creates a little bit of a weird time jump for anybody who knows, knows that Harry's birthday is July 31st. And that school starts on September 1st. And that school, 1st. which the... We did know that because of the ticket, right? No, it doesn't. It, they it don't doesn't say, say in the that. Letter. 
so the assumption can be that school starts. Yeah, August it could 1st. be that they're like, "Holy crap, we we got rid of we got we got a hold of Harry Potter last minute." Yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> got to get him all ready. Go get him. And like he's not getting his letters. You better show up and get him. It's the day before school starts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yikes! But um, but omitting that summer, it like we don't get to see how scared of Harry Dudley becomes. Right. And um, Which you have to love. Again, we've talked about we talked about this when the when the glass disappeared and how you just kinda love to see the, the yeah. asshole get his retribution. Right. So it's just so nice when Harry has something to hold over Dudley. Yes. And and he does hold it over yeah. him. He definitely plays with that. We'll talk about that throughout the series honestly anytime we have harry and dudley interacting it's usually pretty fun all right not for him not but no for harry of course. i think harry has fun sometimes well, we will definitely talk about this once, at the end of once this he comes book. into his snark yes oh he's starting for sure he's starting to so anyway omitting this month the last month of summer means we don't get to see how scared dudley is of harry and it also means that we don't ever get any kind of closure on dudley's Pig's, pig's tail. tail yeah. he just, for all we know, according to the movies, he's just stuck with a he's, fucking pig's tail. Right? Just hiding that under his pants. But anyway, I just think, like, one of the funniest things is when the Dursleys do take Harry to King's Cross, they have to, Petunia has to convince Dudley to sit in the back seat with Harry. Right. So that, And it also, yeah. I love and, it. <laughs> and it also gives us one last glimpse of just how assholey the satchels of assholes really are when harry thinks that they're actually being kind and helping him take all his luggage to the platform only to find out that they just did it just so they could you know give him shit and make fun of him how like how sad is that that even after a decade of being mistreated by them there's still that hope inside him that oh my gosh they're being kind to me you know like he, he yeah it's almost it's almost stockholmy right i'm not even gonna lie yeah a little bit but, you know, we also, uh, randomly, we also never hear that Harry names his owl in the movie. Yeah, because in the book, they specifically say that he names her Hedwig, and he got the name out of his History of Magic book. But theoretically, because he literally went from buying that book to the train to Hogwarts, he never had time to open they, that book. I don't think they ever even call her by her name in the first oh, no. movie. No, she's But she's we find out she's Hedwig in a later movie, uh, right? Yeah, too, don't we? Because, right. yeah. So anyway, we have Harry by himself just, at platform nine and three quarters. No yeah. idea where not he's even, going. Not even at platform nine and three quarters. Just randomly on the platform. Oh, yeah, no, he hasn't platform. even made it to platform yeah. nine. He's just hanging out between platforms nine and ten. Um, I wonder if he's like looking like for a sign, see if there's gonna be a sign somewhere. Like maybe if he gets like the like the leaky cauldron sign, where when he got closer to it, it finally appeared. Like I wonder if he was just going up to every sign, seeing if it changed when he got closer. Are you my platform? (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. Aww. Uh, But luckily, luckily Molly Weasley is super loud and super loud. You know, and and just and I have a really shouting about muggles in public and, and asking what the platform number is. Like she doesn't know. Yeah, well, in the book she does that. In the movie she's like platform right and three quarters this way. Come on, this way, guys. And yeah, and there's there's actually a, a really adorable adorable fan theory on this that I love. It's it's one of my favorites um, that. Molly actually saw Harry looking super confused with an owl and with yeah with an owl and like and clearly a trunk this kid's a wizard and yeah by himself 
And she decided to purposefully say things extra loud and like say, you know, what platform was it again? What platform? Platform nine and three quarters. Look at with muggles. Look at there's muggles all over the place. So that Harry would hear her and come and ask for help. That is really cute. I think that really shows, I, I believe it because it's Molly Weasley. Molly would totally take it notice does. of, like, the little boy looking confused by himself. It does seem like something she would do. Right. And also, like, not wanting to, you know, because here's the thing. If she were wrong and this kid knew exactly where he was going, he wouldn't be paying attention to the fact that she's saying muggles. He wouldn't be paying attention to the fact she said platform nine and three quarters. He would just keep going. But if he did need help, that was her signal to him. Yeah, and it worked very well because it, he went up to her. Yeah, and it was just per. I just love that. Well, I guess he initially just sort of watched. Yeah, but I do, I do think, I do think that makes a lot of sense because he, it, it's what made him feel comfortable to eventually approach. Mm-hmm. Like this is somebody that I think can help me. Yeah. So, along with that comes, of course, the twins. Being Aww, Fred and George. Fred and George just being complete dicks, but in like a good way. In like they a, are, they are like endearing dicks. Yeah, <laughs> like ribbon on their mom. You know, playing. Like, how often do you think she does? They do that to her too um, on an hourly basis, right? <laughs> and one of the things in the book that didn't get put into the movie that I really missed. The scene where they helped Harry get his luggage on the train, mm-hmm. and that's when they figured out that he was Harry Potter. Yeah, that whole con- yeah, they have a- there's like a whole conversation that's not included in the movie, basically. And yeah, I really missed the moment of the twins helping Harry, because um, it was one of those times where you see that even even though they're dicks, as as well intentioned dicks as they are, they are genuinely good people, as all of the Weasleys. Yeah, are. the Weasleys are the best. They I really- love I love the Weasleys. No, you know nobody's perfect. They all have their issues, but. The Weasleys are are damn close, I have to say. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, In the movie, there isn't a description about Dumbledore read from the Chocolate Frog card. Um, Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's where Harry first reads about Nicholas Flamel in the book. Yeah. He's reading that description and comes across Nicholas Flamel and... You're just like, <laughs> you yeah. have no idea at that time that that's actually something it's, significant. <laughs> yet again, it's one one of JK throwing something in that's seemingly innocuous and mm-hmm. later comes into play and you're like, oh, snap, I did read that earlier. Right. Whereas, you know, the movie, he just comes up later. Yeah. And we'll talk about that more later when it does come up. But I, I wish they had included Dumbledore's description on the back of the frog card. Um, because it says, Albus Dumbledore, currently headmaster of Hogwarts, considered by many the greatest wizard of modern times, Dumbledore is particularly famous for his defeat of the dark wizard Grindelwald in 1945, for the discovery of the 12 uses of dragon's blood, and his work on alchemy with his partner Nicholas Flamel. Professor Dumbledore enjoys chamber music and ten-pin bowling. Well, who doesn't? It cracks me up because it reads like a beauty pageant description. (laughs) chamber music and and ten pin bowling and long walks on the beach and world (laughs) peace yes (laughs) you know dumbledore wants world peace uh yeah i also really like the fact that jk rowling planted that information early on yeah like you were saying like i was saying before i just really enjoyed that 
like it, it was it was your first not your first moment of seeing of her throwing something like that in but it was definitely it was one of the first that came to its resolution within the same within book. the same book right yeah because she sure. does that a lot and some of them go from like the first book to the last book like, yeah but that was one that actually like it was just like just a little thing and you don't think anything of it but then yeah. bam right oh that bam. meant something <laughs> bam magic yeah. also in the book some one of the the changes is I guess the movie just decided that we didn't need to introduce Neville at this point. And no. In in the book, he shows up first looking for his toad, and they're like, "No, dude, we haven't seen your toad." Yeah. And then he comes back again with Hermione. With Hermione. So we actually see Neville twice, mm-hmm. and we see him before we even ever meet Hermione. I, in I, both, though, it it happens when uh, Ron is about to try and turn Scabbers yellow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I kind of feel like that's so it's not that bad of a cut. It's not it wasn't. You didn't really it wasn't need necessary. it. Yeah. I mean, the, the way they, they they obviously wanted to put a lot of emphasis on the trio. <laughs> so yeah, in both the book and the movie, Hermione shows up and Ron is about to turn his about rat turn, yellow. Yeah. Or about to fail at turning I mean, his rat yellow. Attempt, yeah. <laughs> obviously, sunshine daisies butter mellow. Turn the stupid fat rat yellow is not a real spell. No, that one did not work. No. I wonder, like, there aren't really spells that rhyme and all that. No, they're so pretty ra- much why, one word or maybe two. So why did Ron fall for that? He had to know. He's never heard his parents say a rhyming spell. He's never, you know what I mean? Because they don't exist. So, like, why would he fall? That just seems like a weird thing to fall yeah, for. Yeah, I, I mean... But, he, Especially, especially coming from the twins. Yeah. Like, why would he believe anything they told him? Right. For the record, I will say, um, actually, uh, we looked it up, and according to the Harry Potter wiki, um, the spell to actually change colors on things is Calavaria. Oh. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, because it's like color very. Yeah. Combined into... Look at that. Look at that. I love how she came up with those spells. Right. Some of them are, like, most of them are based in Latin words. Some of them are specifically Latin words. And as Mm -hmm. we get into more of the spells, we'll be talking about that kind of stuff as well. Because I took Latin in high school. (laughs) And this is, like, the only time I ever get to use it and become a doctor, so. Your Hermione's showing. Oh, man, I should probably put that away. But you know what I want to know? I don't think you can put it away. (laughs) What do you want to know? I have no control over that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to know why Ron is allowed to bring scabbers. Because that letter says an owl or a cat or a toad. It does not say anything about rats. Yeah. And you would think a rat would be the last thing that a school would want. I think that should be a Potter pondering. I want to know what you guys think. How Ron was able to. How is Ron allowed to do this? Did he just be like, fuck it, I don't care. I'm bringing my rat, yo. Well, I mean, I mean, Scabbers was Percy's. Maybe he was, maybe Scabbers was grandfathered in. Maybe when Percy went there, when he first started and he got Scabbers, maybe he, you were allowed to bring a rat. It was an owl or a cat or a toad or a rat. Or a rat. Well, another difference, obviously, is that uh, movie Hermione fixes Harry's glasses. Yeah, book Hermione does not repair his glasses like she does in the movie. Um, she actually just kind of rambles on about her upbringing and 
being excited to be accepted <laughs> and it's the best school and memorizing all of the course books and I wish we could have seen the looks on Harry and Ron's faces. Right. When when she says that she memorized all of the course books and they're just like, what the fuck did you do that for? Did you do that? I didn't do that. Like, <laughs> I, I think, especially with the faces that Ron makes, that yeah. Rupert Grint as Ron makes. Yeah. Oh, his, we'll talk about that more at the end of this. But like, I think it would have been beautiful to see. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if Ron was, uh, like actual Ron was actually thinking like oh god another percy (laughs) oh man well as much as i enjoyed harry going cross-eyed when she pointed (laughs) the wand directly at his face yeah um i think i would have rather heard hermione's long-winded speech and seen the expressions on their faces yeah personally but rather see him go cross-eyed with like annoyance (laughs) annoyance of like this long-winded chick coming in and right. being a know-it-all. An insufferable know-it-all. Insufferable. Uh, yeah. And, uh, also, uh, Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle show up in Harry's train compartment in the book, but not in the movie. We don't meet them yet. Which is yet another instance of us not meeting Malfoy. Yeah. Yeah, they're really holding off on introducing us to Malfoy on this one. Yeah, I think it's, it's just all about the trio and... Fuck Neville. Fuck Malfoy. Yeah. Oh, actually. Current I mean, day, those actors. That's yeah, a, that, I'd hit that. That's a sandwich I'd be in. It's <laughs> so be the meat in a Neville Malfoy sandwich. I really would. Yeah, I can't I can't even I can't even <laughs> fight you on that. I mean I might fight you for that. I mean yeah. But moving on, let's yeah. just keep rolling. Um, awkward moment other than you know like you know it makes sense to me that they wanted the movie focus to be on the trio so um so i actually felt really good about how this played out despite the changes and i especially loved the arrival at hogwarts like when they get off the train and they're Mm -hmm. greeted by hagrid and ron's just like whoa and you know you read the books and you imagine it and it was wonderful but seeing it in the movie when you get the glimpse of Hogwarts for the mm-hmm. first time. Like, I legit think that I cried a little. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit the, it. The castle was perfect. It was, oh, God. Honestly. It was, oh. it was very, it was so. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Um, they do, like, in both the book and the movie, they take the boats across the lake, and that's when you get your first glimpse of the castle. But um, at the end of that part in the book is right when Hagrid finds Neville's toad for him. Mm-hmm. Which they take out, of course. They, yeah. Uh, well, well, they they replace. They, they they move it. Yes. And we'll talk about that because th- it, this got a little muddied because obviously the book to the movie isn't going to be a perfect cutoff. Yeah. Well, based on the way that they that they change things up, the book chapter ends with Hagrid knocking on the door, but we decided the corresponding movie scene cuts out after McGonagall greets them at the top of the stairs. Greets them and welcomes them to yeah. Hogwarts, you know. Yeah, getting a clear cut to the parallel film scenes was a little bit more difficult mm-hmm. because the movie kind of took things a little bit out of order. Um, so some of the things that were omitted from this section actually were just moved to later. Yeah. And we have to talk about them next episode because of where they were placed. Exactly. And that's going to happen a lot more as we get further into these books because they don't always stay 
And we're going to reach points where they don't line up at all. And we're going to be like, how do we organize this? Oh, God. Yeah. we're. She, she's going to have a big giant, you know, chapter description. And I'm just going to be like. This didn't happen. Well, this didn't happen. So <laughs> moving on. Just keep rolling. <laughs> but yeah, so. It's, um, yeah. It, the movie mixed things up a little bit. And things that happened in chapter six and things happened in chapter seven so yeah we'll get more into that mm-hmm. when we move on to chapter seven the sorting hat yes um right now we want to talk about the actors that we just met yes because i i have to gush julie walter is she's a fucking badass I love god her. i love her i love her so much and i Honestly, I didn't I didn't know who she was prior. I hadn't seen her in anything or I didn't remember seeing her in anything prior to that. But after she was Mrs. Weasley for me, I was like, I have to see everything else she's been in and oh, she's so amazing. She's wonderful in everything she does. I just love her so much. And she much. just everything about her was Mrs. Weasley. Yeah. And she's so she's so funny. Like she just cracks me up. And I, I just... love the stories about how she was like totally the set mom too. Like she yeah. didn't just play Mama Weasley. Like mm-hmm. she was the mom to all of these kids that yeah. had to be on set for the movie. And I just like, like it makes so much sense. I just love that about her. Right. I have I I aspire to be Molly Weasley. I really do. She just played just such a like perfect, kindly, mm-hmm. just. You can just tell that she, like she's warm and welcoming and accepting and loving yeah. and but also a badass and like hard on her kids when she needs to be. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, oh, she's not a pushover. I know. I mean, I know not that much of it showed through in this first scene. We're obviously reflecting on other Molly Weasley scenes, yeah. but she, this was our first notice of her, and we just we love Julie Walters. She's I mean awesome. If there was there was no one better for Harry to be to meet first to show him the way to Hogwarts it's than a, Julie yeah, Walters. No, I think that's a much better welcome to the Wizarding World since she was the first mm-hmm. person that sh- magical person that he met outside of Hagrid. Hagrid. Yeah, aside for from sure. like shop people, but I don't yeah. feel like that was a, an official meeting. We're gonna move on with the actors and talk about Chris Rankin, who played Percy Weasley, because he is the first. Well, he's the he's oldest, oldest at that's still at that's Hogwarts. There, yeah. Aside from the fact that they don't put Percy in glasses, which the books yeah. say he wears. Um, I would have loved to see some horn rim glasses on, right? on Chris Rankin. But, I would have. So I've actually met Chris Rankin through Swish and Flick. That's how I got to meet him. Because yeah. they, they actually interviewed him for one of their extra podcast episodes. I could not pick another person to play Percy. Like, honestly, if you ever listen to him talk about his character, he gets Percy. Yeah. Like, he just gets him he has some amazing theories about his character really and uh, yeah like you should probably listen to that episode Um, he gets his character and he just knows it so well that i just genuinely could not imagine anybody else playing that role and it did get downsized a lot from percy in the books to percy in the movies like he did not get to play as much of a part and i actually think that's a shame because i think that chris rankin would have brought incredible stuff to his character movie percy was a little two-dimensional yeah um straight from chris rankin's mouth um he told us a story about the reason why percy didn't get to wear glasses because he fought for it oh really but um if you go back and watch the movie the only person 
of the kids, of the students wearing glasses, is Harry. And they oh. did that on purpose because they wanted Harry to stand out. So they specifically did not give Percy glasses uh, so that Harry would stand out. I can't. Okay. All right. I, can I don't think that of, makes it right, but. But I can kind of understand yeah. it now, though. But anyway, okay. I think I think Chris Rankin was a fabulous, 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 pers- fabulous, fabulous <laughs> Percy. <laughs> now, what about uh, James Phelps as Fred and Oliver Phelps as George? Uh, I love they, them. They were so perfect. They really were. I have a feeling that they get into those kind of sh- shenanigans in their normal lives, too. Oh, yeah. I've heard. I, I mean, I don't know them. I haven't met them. I would love to meet them. I wish I could. Oh, Lord. I would love that. But I've heard that they're just really, really just jackasses. But really good, like, 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 in a good way. Like the Fred and George Yeah, like Fred and George. And I I think that, I mean, obviously being twins, like, of course they're going to play twins well. They are twins. Right. But I think that they just nailed the delivery of their lines as mm-hmm. twins in the back and forth and the playing off of one another like yeah and it, again this is just a little scene with them joking around about who's who and you know that they do that kind of stuff all the time yeah and uh, for sure and i i love i always loved the the line of honestly woman you call yourself our mother and it was I, so well delivered yeah. yeah i think they were well cast and we're obviously going to end up talking more about the actors as they get into like the big pivotal moments that they have and, and their how we think that they nailed yeah. it. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, we love but them for for a first impression. Yes. yes, two thumbs way up. Fine holiday fun. <laughs> <laughs> the next wizard that we meet yes. of the Weasleys is Rupert Grint as yes. Ron Weasley, and I can't, I can't. I can't even. I can't. Like, I, I can't express the words. Guys, she has lost the ability he, to can. Like, God, they could have just had him do everything with facial expressions, and I think he yeah. could have nailed it. Because his, just the faces that he could make were some of the funniest fucking things that I have ever seen. <laughs> and right. my only disappointment with Ron wasn't even his fault. Like, I felt like in the, the movie version of Ron got kind of dumbed down into the comedic relief oh for sure and they took away a lot of his brilliance because he, he really did and his bravery yeah he they, was really brave he was actually very smart yeah and um they ended up giving away a lot of his lines they gave away a lot of his intelligence to hermione and that, yeah and that was just that's just sad because hermione has enough of her own right she Let's, doesn't need to steal runs that's what i'm saying like hermione is brilliant there's no denying that but so is Ron. Yeah. And he deserved to be showcased in such a way. And not just the dolt, you know, who knows how to play chess or whatever. Yeah, you know? they, they, I mean, they at least they at least let him keep that. Right. We'll talk about that more later. But yeah. still, um, Rupert Grint was just phenomenal. I thought he was perfect. I, really, like, you know. Everything... Like and I mean okay. So as much as I loved his facial expressions, I now I, I have to go back and say no. Like I I want him to speak because the way that he said lines too. <laughs> like, oh, he had oh, great he delivery. Ama- perfect delivery. Hilarious voices. And as mm-hmm. somebody that like can't use the normal voice and switches into random things all around, like I really, really appreciated that about him. I yeah. just yeah. I I have to say I he was. Well cast. Very yes. well cast. Yes. Um, and that leads us to Bonnie Wright as Ginny Weasley. 
I mean, and it's hard to judge her in this scene because she it gets is. like I mean, one line. The other thing too is I wish they would have at least, this is another reason I wish they would have still had that conversation with Fred and George where he introduced himself because this is where Ginny's crush first starts, first really starts. It's like first time she sees him and knows he's Harry Potter. And I feel like that, even just the line of good luck, like there right. was, it wasn't much to it, but even the Give line of good luck to do. could have but, been delivered in such a, in a much better way. If she had realized, well, she would have already said that to him and then found out he was Harry Potter if they did the conversation the way they did in the book. They don't do anything that the but they, they don't. Did in the book. I'm just saying and, if they would have kept the. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're you saying. You know what I'm saying. But, it's. But yeah, I think that it's like just you know if like, if she got to find out that she literally just wished Harry Potter good luck. Yeah, I like that would have been a fantastic little reaction she could have had there. Right. And they didn't give that to her. And I know that you in a previous episode had complained about I not liking movie Jenny. But I like Bonnie Wright. I like I Bonnie Wright like as Jenny. Yes. But again, this is it. Except it's for the, the blue same, eyes, but we're... well, it goes to the same thing as um. Or the the issue with Ron and the issue that you have with movie Dumbledore is th- they cut so much from her. I think that she was well cast. She just wasn't given uh, the proper chance. Yeah. No, and I, I absolutely agree with you there because mm-hmm. like I feel like she played that role the best that she could have. And I think it's the movie that made her this just total paper character that had no yeah. dimension to her whatsoever. And yeah. I... I I really like Jenny. I really like book Jenny. So mm-hmm. that one, that one bummed me out too, although it yeah. doesn't make me as angry as movie Dumbledore does. So <laughs> now to talk about the character that annoys you, which <sighs> seeing as how I am a Hermione, I, I probably annoy you from time to time. I love you very much. <laughs> you're just very extra. <laughs> um, but that's something you, uh, you're aware of when you're extra though. I Hermione tr- doesn't always seem to be aware that she's extra. Certainly not Hermione in the beginning. Yeah. But Emma Watson Emma as Watson Hermione. Emma Watson as Hermione is amazing. She. The only, the only complaint that I can make for Emma Watson as Hermione is she's, I, I feel that she's too, she was too pretty. Yeah. And even J.K. Rowling expressed that. Yeah. So there's an interview on, on one of the DVDs. Blu-rays. Yeah. DVDs. How old are we? <laughs> The VHSs? The VHSs. (laughs) Just keep rolling. Just keep rolling. So, um, but J.K. Rowling is talking with Daniel Radcliffe Mm -hmm. about um, just a whole bunch of, like, they're, like, interviewing each other. Yeah. I think I remember seeing that. Yeah. And and I, like, first of all, I have to bring this up because I was completely floored at J.K. Rowling's impression of Emma Watson. Yeah. (laughs) But I guess um, before she ever met Emma, she spoke to her on the phone and Emma was just like really nervous and rambling and she's like, oh my God, I'm just so nervous. And Talking a mile a minute. Yeah, and J.K. Rowling does this impression of her and had my eyes been closed, I would have thought it was Emma Watson talking. It was amazing. (laughs) Um, But she tells her to relax and she's just like, relax, you're perfect. And and then she meets her in person and thinks that she's too pretty. Yeah. But um, yeah, she like, I felt like, the movie did not give her frizzy enough hair. No. And her teeth were not giant oversized teeth, although I believe they tried that and discovered she couldn't talk with them in. So, I mean, yeah. And I mean, and it's not really one of those things that 
it's not, was that important it's not to the story. Pivotal. It's it, not. It's not pivotal, but it, it doesn't mean it wasn't important. Though. It was because and late because later on when Hermione has her transformation, we'll in talk fourth, about in the fourth yeah. one. Like it wasn't a transformation because she was already really pretty, right? Like, it was just kind of like, oh look, she just put on a pink dress. Yeah, it, and that's it. Mm. And we're gonna talk more about that dress later. <laughs> Putting a pin in that. Um. Yep. But Emma but Watson that, herself. Was delightful. Yes. And I, I couldn't imagine anybody else playing Hermione. She was perfectly cast. And you know what? Um, one of my favorite stories about the, the casting, apparently uh, Chris Columbus, the director, he had the trio, so Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grant, and Emma Watson, he had them write papers about who their character was. And in true form, to prove exactly how... Uh, perfect they are for they are for these roles um emma's paper was like 14 pages like it was maybe <laughs> not 14 it was. but it was it was a whole it was a huge paper she wrote a novel she did she wrote a novel danny radcliffe was a just enougher he just he was like it was like one page and he was like yeah that's good enough and rupert didn't do his at all <laughs> at all he was just like, nope. And it's so perfect. I, and I feel like they can't even fault him for that because clearly he gets his character. Exactly. <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like he is Ron Weasley. Like that's that's the most perfect. The only thing that could have made it more perfect is if they did a little bit and then had Emma check theirs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, no, these actors, I feel like they were all super well cast. Mm-hmm. And... and I liked that for the most part, with the with the exception of of like Julie Walters, who was well known prior to Harry Potter. Obviously, they used relatively unknown names. That was one of the reasons that J.K. was so adamant about it being set in London because she didn't want it to be Hollywoodized. Like, Which, of course, it was a little bit. But. It was, but she's, like, I know JK has said that she was worried that it would, like, they'd change it to be set in Beverly Hills or, or you know, San Diego School of Witch- Witchcraft and Wizardry or something, you know, and have an all-American cast. And that's why she made such a big deal. And she tried to keep so much control, creative control over it, was because she didn't want it to be, like, but I And I feel like she had to pick and choose her battles a lot there. Oh, I'm sure she did, yeah. More things that slipped through the cracks than I would have liked. Yeah. But for the most part, can you imagine if she had no control at all? Oh my god. I feel like they would have ruined the books. It would have been terrible. I feel like they would have. Honestly, yeah. But yeah, so that's our actors. So those those are all of our actors. They're wonderful and we love them. Um, And that brings us to this week's Potter Ponderings, as we were discussing earlier. Um, Our first one was... Do you think that Molly was being purposefully loud to help Harry figure it out how to get to platform nine and three quarters, or was she just is she just loud? Molly's just a loud lady. Maybe she's just loud. She is just loud. I mean that's a fact. But was she being purposefully loud? Do you agree with the fan theory that we were discussing on that? I like it, but we want to know what you guys think. Mm-hmm. Our other one that we're gonna put up as a Potter pondering is why is Ron allowed to bring scabbers when the letter specifically says? Owl, or a cat, or a toad. So is this just an oversight on J.K. Rowling's part? Or do you think there's a specific reason? So you can find our Potter Pondering posts up on Facebook at J.K.R. Podcast or Twitter at Just Keep Rolling. And you let us know what you think, because we really want to hear from you guys. Please. Otherwise, it's just us talking to ourselves and... And Carly. Oh, yeah, Carly. Hi, Carly. 
Uh, which brings us to our next Sorting Hat story. <laughs> Look at that segue. This one is from Maggie Fisher. And she says, my name is Maggie and I'm a Hufflepuff. I don't know if you are aware, but we are particularly good finders. What? My wand is Rowan Wood with a Phoenix Feather Core, 11 and 3 quarter inches, and slightly yielding flexibility. My Patronus is a St. Bernard. I have been involved in the Potter fandom for my entire life. I was born in 1999, and as a daughter of a book nerd and an, an elementary school teacher, I cannot remember a time when I didn't love Harry Potter. My mom read the first two books to all of us as young children, but neither of my siblings got as crazy about Potter as me. One of my earliest memories is when I was three or four and my mom, my sister, and I were cuddled up reading Sorcerer's Stone. I was fortunate enough to grow up with the movies, and when I was in the fourth grade, my mom finally let me read Potter for myself. I started with the fourth book and got through the series by the end of fourth grade. One day, at school during silent reading, I was at the end of Deathly Hallows. When Harry killed Voldemort, I spoiler right. I stood up and shouted yes, and all thirty-five heads turned in my direction as I slumped down to my seat. My love of Potter has continued into my college life, and I have been an avid listener to Swish and Flick for the past two years. It's very hard to find time to read for pleasure during college, and I like listening to podcasts on my way to class or at work. When Tiffany from Swish highlighted your podcast on her Insta Live, I knew I had to expand my Potter podcast world and start listening. You guys are doing a fantastic job, and I can't wait for new episodes. Aw, thanks, you little, Maggie. You little sweetheart, you. I have to say, um, with her, with her standing up and shouting yes, you know, at the at the pivotal moment, those are my favorite books. Yeah, the books that I make people it. look at you like you're crazy if you have to, like you, you're a little bit of afraid to read them in public because you're just like. I might make faces or yell or I'm laugh. Start or, yeah, exactly. That's why I read Deathly Hollows like in my room in the dark. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Maggie. We're so glad that you've been listening. Yeah. And, and if you would like your sorting hat story shared in a future episode, don't forget to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, your wand, the wood, core, and length your Patronus, and how you got into Harry Potter, plus anything else you might want to share. And that brings us to this week's trivia question, which is, who is the Hufflepuff ghost? With the actual single word code word, Badger. Sometimes they're hard to come up with single word ones that make sense. Oh my god. So then you call them words. But I don't want it to be code words. If you know the answer, find the post that we pinned to the top of our Facebook page and comment with your answer and the code word. Again, that was Badger. We will be in touch with the first one who responds with the correct answer to figure out if you want a bitch is a witch, motherfucker's a wizard, or just keep rolling sticker. And another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. Don't forget to take a screenshot and email it to justkeeprolling at gmail.com. So we know you did it and can get in touch to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. I just want to take a moment to um, give a shout out to our lovely Carly Ferguson, um, who has supported us just so much. Through everything. Through everything since the beginning. And she actually became our very first patron through Patreon. Which is amazing because we hadn't even advertised it yet. But now we're going to use her as the transition into this. If you might be interested in supporting us through Patreon, you can go to www.patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. 
We have several different tiers um, that will get you various perks if you participate in any of them. Mm-hmm. And um, we're specifically going for two goals right now. The first one, it's just a $50 a month goal. And when we reach that goal, we're going to launch our special podcast, Potterheads of History. And it's going to be a monthly podcast that focuses on the fandom and everything within. And this will be the podcast that we would like to bring our listeners in as guests, especially the patron listeners. Yeah, for sure. When we reach 200 (laughs) a month, I'm going to be optimistic. We're going to place an order with a very talented ceramicist to custom make Harry Potter house mugs. She's been working on the prototypes for it. And guys, they're looking amazing. I've been calling her our Harry Potterer. They are. They are really adorable mugs you guys i'm excited because once we reach that 200 dollars a month goal we will be able to launch our website and shop where you can purchase these mugs as well as other items we've also been working on knitting some house scarves so you'll see pictures of these as they come along posted up on our facebook and instagram and whatnot so we're knitting fools guys yeah so if you like us and want to help us produce more content for your ear and eye holes (laughs) um Remember, go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. And any support that you guys can give is greatly appreciated. I mean, we appreciate you anyway, of course. Yeah, you guys, our listeners, if you can hear this right now, then just know we are sending you all of the love in the world because you guys are the ones helping us make this experience so amazing. Having people share this with us. Yeah. I like, we love each other and we love talking about Harry Potter to each other, but seeing all of the people joining us it's so nice oh it's incredible i like i'm like ready to cry at times (laughs) (laughs) i love this it's been it's been awesome and i hope that you guys are having as much fun as we are because that's what we want this to be it's something that everybody can just enjoy for sure so join us next week when we talk about chapter seven the sorting hat and the related film scenes thanks for listening we hope you hear us again i'm katie i'm ellen until the next time just keep rolling Thank you.